everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, and with me today on this beautiful Tuesday in June is our video guy, but also a, a guy who knows a ton about the NBA. He plays basketball. He's really good at basketball, too, so my coworkers say. It's Evan Thorpe. Evan, what's going on? What's up, Charles? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, as always. And uh, before we jump in, we, we got to hear from one of our sponsors. At Buffalo Wild Wings, we'll admit that we often go overboard with our limited time offerings. We just can't help ourselves. Take our new signature sampler. For $15, you get wings and three shareable options like fried pickles or cheese curds. Then there's our aptly named over-the-top nachos, a literal mound of crispy tortilla chips loaded with your choice of pulled pork or honey barbecued grilled chicken, corn, jalapenos, and more. Then top it off with... Top it all off with our new Platinum Margarita. Go overboard with us today at Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings Beer Sports. Available for a limited time while supplies last. Please drink responsibly. All right, Evan, are you a are you a hot wing guy? Like, how hot are your wings? Are you a barbecue wing? Like, what's your, what's your, what's your level of heat? All right, you might think I'm crazy, but I often go to Buffalo Wild Wings and get wilding. Well, no, blazing and mango, har- mango habanero. Wings. Oh, yeah. I've had those. Those are really, really spicy. And I've had actually really spicy wings uh, there and elsewhere. And yeah, it's it's one of those like pat your pat your forehead with a with a napkin kind of moments. So I, I, I'm there with you. Uh, and speaking of hot, we're in that middle of a hot NBA Finals, except not really. We're in the middle of what could be a sweep. So tell me, let's start off. How is this not going to be a sweep by the Golden State Warriors? Is this going to happen? I I called a sweep last week when uh, Hemel took over the Tuesday podcast and said that the Warriors were winning four. Uh, I want to stick with it, but I think just like last year, uh, Cleveland would come out and have one of those uh, inspired performances at home. You got to think about it. They, they're they a much better team at home than they are on the road. And I don't know if it's going to be game three or game four, but you can, you can just see a game happening where JR is hitting, Kevin Love's hitting. Tristan Thompson is getting 13 and 13, and it's just like everything is going right for the Cavs, and the Warriors might just have like your generic, just I don't really care about this game. Let's just get to the next game type of game. Yeah, I'm with you. I had said at the beginning of this year's series, like everybody else in America, because that was trending on Twitter, was was Warriors in five, because the way LeBron's playing, you have to hand him at least a game at home. Uh, and I can see that happening. I think we're in this sort of part of this series where LeBron has figured out what's going on and now he's going to start really executing uh you know one of those 50 point games is what i'm seeing maybe uh tomorrow night uh what is on the other side with the warriors is there like an x factor with them that that they need to sort of have happen i mean to me it's like steph curry doing what he did the other night but consistently and we've started to see that now with him coming back from the injury right like do you think that's really the x factor i think it's andre iguodala coming back yep same You've won two games. The first game was a nail-biter. The second game was kind of like a dominant performance. But with Iguodala coming back, you know, how are you going to shift your lineups? Are you going to go back to the Hamptons 5 lineup to start the game? Or will you have him come off the bench and kind of be the backup playmaker? You know, you have Sean Livingston, who's the backup point guard. But with Iguodala coming back, this could either be a blessing or, you know, it could kind of mess up the chemistry they've kind of built these past six games. That's an interesting point. I mean, uh, the the other side to me, right, is if you have the smaller lineup, then then the Cavaliers maybe uh, go to Tristan Thompson a little more, even though he's not really an offensive 
uh, option to me. I just think like the the Cavs have some big bodies to to Ken. Then of course you know you bring in Javale McGee, but again like we're talking about these hypotheticals with Andre Iguodala coming back, and there's just no way in my mind that even with Javale McGee on the court or Andre on the court that it doesn't matter. The Warriors have the more dominant full deeper lineup and and the Cavaliers ultimately will be doomed by that yeah I think the biggest factor is you have nobody who can take who can put pressure on Steph where Kyrie could tire him on defense or just the fact that he couldn't really get around Kyrie he needed four or five uh, screens now you know he's taking George Hill off the dribble taking Kevin Love off the dribble so Steph Curry just not having to worry about another dominant point guard in front of him is just proved that that's the difference of this series and you know last series well last year series between the two yeah and i also just love watching warriors basketball uh it's it's funny how you see the contrast a little bit with what houston did but it's a similar idea right it's it's screen 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 find the mismatch exploit the mismatch and of course with the warriors it's more passing than than what houston did but to watch it in motion is just it's beautiful basketball right don't you agree yeah, it's like seeing a jazz song played in front of you. Like, you see all the instruments going together, and, you know, somebody's on the drum, somebody's on violin, somebody's uh, playing some type of instrument, but it, it just all syncs together, and you're like, wow, I saw that play coming from a mile away. I saw the back screen, which was kind of like a de- decoy screen for Clay, come off to a double screen for him hitting a three at the top of the key, and it's just like, no other team is putting that much time to just pass the ball. Selfless basketball, that's what it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've all bought into Steve Kerr. And every time you read a story about Steve Kerr and the offense, there was one recently, I want to say, in ESPN the Magazine, where it was, was it ESPN.com? One of the places where they, they broke down the night that Steve Kerr was thinking about how to how to tinker with the offense uh, that was already good but make it even better. And he, he came upon this idea of all these passes and, and you know, uh, the way that the offense works now. It's It's... It seems unstoppable to me, and I theoretically think, and you know this because you filmed me saying this, but I thought the Rockets had him. And if if uh, what if Chris Paul didn't get injured? I kind of wonder if they had him in that series. Yeah, I think it's that's going to be like one of those things, like the the first time Golden State played the Cavs. What if Kyrie didn't get hurt? What if Love played? It's always mm-hmm. one of those, you know, how would history change if we can go back to that moment and it changed just this one part of history. But I think, you know, was that Houston's chance? Like, was that their only chance to be able to say, like, that was our opportunity to beat Golden State and get into the finals? Because, you know, I think that's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in the offseason. And if you try to acquire one of these big guys like a LeBron James, you're going to have to get rid of some of those key assets like Eric Gordon, uh, Trevor Reza. So, you know. It's always great to play the what if games because next year, like, we never know what can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have a theory I wanted to run by you, by the way, that I've been thinking about the last two days, especially because I've seen quotes about him and all this. And I don't want to put like sole blame on what's happening with the Cavs on anybody. I think it's because LeBron, it's LeBron and everybody else, right? Like his team, it just isn't a team. It's it's a, a mishmash of, of parts that don't there aren't quite you know a second and third banana like there are on other great teams it's LeBron carrying them all the way here but 
Rodney Hood, like when they require, acquired him at the, at the deadline, I was like, great. Like that's the kind of player that I really want to see. This is a guy who can score. He can, you know, take the, the, the scoring pressure off of LeBron. And now we've got all these quotes from Rodney Hood saying, well, it's hard to play with LeBron. He's only averaged, he only averaged uh, 10.8 points per game during the, the regular season, down from 16.8 when he was at Utah. And I just really would like to see what a, a you know taking the the reins off a of Rodney Hood kind of game would be, but I, I think it's too late for that now. Do you think that like that? I don't know how much blame can you blame on Rodney Hood or just in general like the, the the I guess we can blame it on the rest of his teammates, but that's my theory anyway. Like, what if Rodney Hood was playing the way he did with the Utah Jazz? Like, maybe I'd feel better about this team. Yeah, I think because uh, I like Rodney Hood. I think yeah. what the Cavs did was. Keep him in the starting lineup because he's a younger player, and a lot of times, you know, people get confidence just from being in the starting lineup. So if you was to keep him, you know, feeling good about himself, and you know, of course you're gonna have to adjust when you're playing with LeBron James. But if he could have just found, you know, what works for him in the offense, is he just gonna be a catch and shoot type of player, a three and D type of player, or if you keep him in the first string, and then once LeBron goes out he can become more of a slasher penetrator. Like, you never gave it a, a chance because I think I was looking at uh, his numbers. He started, what, 10 games out of, like, 22. So he really did know his identity or role within the offense. And now when you will likely need him more, he doesn't know what he is to the team. Like, he was watching old film of himself to see how he played because right now he has no role. He doesn't get into the games until it's late. It's a blowout and – you know, for a young player, that that's just killing confidence. It's such a bummer because what he did in Utah when they acquired him, I was like, well, great. Like, you know, Isaiah Thomas wasn't cutting it. So now you get a guy like Ron Hood. You know, you get Larry Nance for some defense. You get uh, uh, you get a George Hill for, for a little bit of depth uh, at, at the point. And then you get Ronnie Hood to, to take on some scoring load, and it's just it's not there. And it's so unfortunate uh, because maybe, like you said, maybe it takes him a year to get used to it. And, of course, we know that next year he may not have the same roster uh, with him. But in the finals now where the Cavs really need more than LeBron and, to an extent, Kevin Love to, to, to do more – and you know Jeff Green stepped up when Love was out in Game Seven of, of the Western uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, like this team, it, it's just like unless they start scoring uh, at will and, and making some defensive stops, I think it's over. I I really think if if I were coaching the Cavaliers, I would do a lineup change. You know, for tomorrow's game, I would put Cal Culver into the starting lineup. Mm. I would bring Jr. off the bench. So. You know, it's not that much pressure on him to right his wrongs from the first game. And I would start Jeff Green over Tristan Thompson just because Thompson can't do so much on the floor where with Green he can guard wings and he could be a big. He can shoot the three to space out the floor for LeBron. So you add a shooter and a capable shooter to the lineup that starts. And you have players who can switch on guys, you know, you're not going to be nervous when Clay Thompson, well, uh, when Steph has Thompson on him. You feel a little more comfortable with Green on a, a, a KD or Curry, and you just face the floor on the offensive end. So if I was coaching, I would try to do that. I mean, Golden State did it with Iguodala the first year, changed up the lineup when their backs was against the wall, and it worked out. At this point, you have nothing to lose, and if it works out, 
now you're making go to state question like, all right, what do we have to do? You know, what's our chess move to answer what they just did? That's really interesting. And I, who knows if Ty Lue has that in mind? I don't know. That that seems complicated. You know, that and it's a risk. You're right. But at this point, they're back home. You win one, you're back in the series. I'm with you. Like, throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. Especially because Cal Corver at times this, this offseason has been, I mean, this postseason has been the third best offensive player. Yeah. We've seen him get hot in Toronto. He got hot, I think it was game six versus Boston. So, why not get him out there earlier and hope that maybe he can start an early run opposed to starting the game off, both teams just trying to figure each other out, have Golden State against the ropes like in game one, and hopefully you don't have to deal with J.R. Smith dribbling, dribbling the ball out of uh, the clock out. Maybe you could just win a game, a, a close contest. <laughs> That's the perfect segue because we're going we're gonna, to uh, take a pause here and then we're going to talk about the J.R. Smith game one. Uh, but first, we got to hear from our sponsors again. Support for the For the Win podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash FTW. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right. We're back here with Evan Thorpe, who is uh, For the Wins video guy and also knows a ton about the NBA. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, you're really good at basketball, right? Don't you play with, with some of our coworkers and, and I've heard like amazing things? Yeah, we play every Wednesday, uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, my record since joining, I think, uh, probably like something like, I don't know. I only lose one game max. I tell people all <laughs> the time. I'm not losing two games. So if you, if you ever catch me down 0-2, Go play the lottery because some crazy is going to happen. Anyway. <laughs> I love um, how you. I love how you pause there. You definitely know your record. You no, Jack, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say what it is because, <laughs> like, I, I have an idea, but just know I've never walked away from the court losing more than one game. I love it. Who do you play with, Stephen Ruiz, our our, our colleague? Is it... Yes, Stephen. Stephen is is really good at basketball. He's. He's sneaky smooth with it. Like, you don't expect him to have the handles. But there's been times where he had a couple people going the other way, and I had to help him up. Like, come on, come on. Get back up. Get back up. So, yes, <laughs> Steve is a baller. We'll I wait love for, it. Wait for I, Andrew to come down so we can have the uh, FTW 3-on-3 challenge. Uh, yes, yeah, seriously. I mean, Andrew Joseph, we know uh, he can dunk. He, he can hit the threes. Like, I want to see you guys together. We should, we should make this happen. Uh, but hopefully not one of you ends up like J.R. Smith, who was the GOAT and not the greatest of all time GOAT in game one. What went through your head when you saw that? Did you watch that live? Did you see what happened? Oh, my God. I couldn't stop laughing once I saw it. I was actually crying. Like. Uh. <laughs> when he got the rebound, I was like, yeah, JR is the type of person to pull out to shoot a three-pointer. Then when he got to half court, I was like, hold on, what is he doing? <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> when 
you see LeBron yelling at him, and I was just like, no, this is the most J.R. Smith type of play. Like, him and Lance Stevenson are the only two players, and Swaggy P. Those are, like, the only three players who could do that. And you're not you're not too surprised about it because you're just like, well, of course, those type of players will be the ones to do that. And it makes me so sad because I, when the Knicks ended up with J.R. Smith, and uh, as listeners probably know i'm from new york so I, I i you know watch the knicks love the knicks whatever i i was like jared smith like kind of a uh, weirdo kind of uh, out there but man like when he comes to play and he at that point i want to say he was in his prime it was like jared smith so exciting like he gets streaky gets hot and like that's the kind of guy you want on your team and it was a really nice little team he had there with with Mello. and but we knew that with J.R. Smith comes these plays, and just like you said, like a Swaggy P moment where, like, he, you know, Swaggy P, Nick Young shooting the ball, turning around, being like, whoa, I made it, and it goes in and out. Um, you come to expect it with J.R. Smith, and it's just unfortunate that it came at such a horrible time because we all love J.R. Smith. I, and I want to say that I think Cleveland fans, I'm kind of hoping that they give him a standing O when they come back to the arena uh, tomorrow night. Because this is what you get out of J.R. Smith. And unfortunately, he's past his prime. He's not playing as many minutes. and uh, Or when he does, he's not as effective as he used to be. And it's just like, oh, come on. Like, I don't want to see that happen. Poor J.R. Smith. Even though, yeah, like, it's you can't do that. It's a blunder. You got to know the score. You got to know whatever the situation is. Because, man, he got a rebound over, over Kevin Durant. Yeah. He... he... He got the the one rebound they needed, and it was just, you know, four seconds of mental lapse of just forgetting what's the score, what's the time, what's going on. And it's just – you can see it like in game two, you know, the crowd yelling MVP because of the decision – like because of the play he made. And I just think mentally it just messed him all up. Even though, you know, on camera you could say, yeah, I learned from my mistakes. The fact that that moment – potentially has shifted what would have been a 1-1 series to now a Golden State 2-0 lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so sad. Uh, I think that, that you know, a moment like that, you unfortunately have to put it onto, and we published this, I think Nick Schwartz did it, a list of all the, like, the, the mental mistakes that we've seen him make uh, or, like, silly plays and, and ridiculousness. You know, he used to untie guys' shoes. He that elbow on Jason Terry, I'll never forget that as a Knicks fan because that was a setback for the Knicks a little bit. Even though I think they won that series against the Celtics, but still, like, come on, you need to, you know, like swipe your elbow deliberately, even you know, in, in that one-on-one situation uh, across the forehead of Jason Terry. But yeah, uh, at the same time, we love J.R. Smith for just his wacky weirdness and and out thereness, and may, you know, maybe he'll retire after this year and, and play some golf because we know he's good at golf. Yeah, I think he has two or three, like, you know, good years left in him. And I think the best thing for him is to come off the bench. Because, like, he could probably help a younger player learn the game better by being his eye, being, being their eyes on the bench. Because a lot of times the veterans know what's going to happen before the young buck. So if he could just be the eyes and ears for somebody on the bench, and then when he come in the game, be like, all right, this is how you do a young buck. I think that could be a good role for him. Evan, I want you to be a coach. I love, I love the you know you you've already got a coaching move for the Cavs in game game two, and now you're, you're like you've got. I love you calling you know guys young bucks. You got a future kid. Um, one more thing I wanted to ask you about because you are a Sixers fan. There has been the reported 
controversy, let me see if I can phrase it right, that there's allegations that Brian Colangelo, the president of the 76ers, had, or his wife, we don't know, we're still waiting for an investigation, uh, that, that they had burner accounts on Twitter that were bad-mouthing Sixers players that were sort of the, the mouth, uh, the, the public uh, quotes from, from Brian Colangelo. What do you make of this? What should the Sixers do if indeed they find out that he was behind these fake Twitter accounts? It's not even an if at this point. I think that the fact that one of them he claimed and the other four were, you know, either his wife, his sons, the fact that he said whatever he said about Joel Embiid, uh, about Markel Fultz, you have to get him out because, mm-hmm. one, players don't forget stuff like that. And Joel Embiid is young, and we've seen him be, we've seen him be pretty petty on Twitter. So... Why would you want that just negative vibes in the locker room? I think this is a blessing in disguise for Philadelphia. And if they were to play their cards right, you get rid of Colangelo, you hire David Griffin. And with that, now you're giving yourself a better chance of getting LeBron James. Because one, we know that the relationship uh, LeBron and Griff had, and he even tweeted out like, I'm still with you or I supported you mm-hmm. when he released from the uh, Cavaliers last summer. So you do that. You bring in, you bring him to the meeting with LeBron in the Hamptons or wherever you do it. And it's just <laughs> like, you know what? We got the guy who you trust to make the decisions. We have a coach who comes from the head coach in which you praise in Greg Popovich. And I forgot who they uh, brought onto the staff last uh, yesterday. Uh, he was a former assistant with uh, OKC. I can't think of his name right now, but they have a lot of guys who who LeBron likes. So why not get the GM who he also likes to build a team that he likes? Uh, it, it listen, it, that, that's that's all the stars lining, and I want to save my take on LeBron to the Sixers, and I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, and it was Monty Williams, by the way, who, who they yeah. hired, which is. A great hire, you know, really smart guy, yeah, great former player, one of my all-time favorite dunk attempts in the slam dunk contest uh, years ago, former Nick. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. You cannot have the guy in charge who LeBron might not trust, let alone other players. I mean, this is a key summer for the 76ers. And if there's anybody out there, any player out there who says, I don't know if I can play for a guy who's going to badmouth me on Twitter or just not trust me, period. Now, you know, if, if they find out that that's what it is, then, then you know, who's going to sign with the 76ers? So I'm with you. It, it would have to be a clean house kind of thing. And if they are really gunning for LeBron, yeah, they have to make all the moves. And hey, David Griffin, great idea. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. This controversy is far from over. And I... I Man, like this is a lot of people said it on Twitter, and I agree. Like this is what makes the NBA so compelling is you have stuff like this happening, and it's as compelling, if not more so, than the NBA Finals. Yeah, especially when you have a team looking like it's going to sweep, and you know everybody was rooting for the process until Boston took it out. But why not have Philly and LeBron be the storyline for next year? It's only right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Evan, you are E underscore Thorpe. Is that what your your Twitter is? E underscore Thorpe 22. 22. Why 22? So when I first had a Twitter, it was E underscore Thorpe. 
and I uh, erased it once I got to college so I could focus. But <laughs> I had to get a Twitter account for a class, so I used E underscore Thorpe 22, which was my college number. So it stuck, and that's why I have my Twitter handle. Yeah, you have, you have a lot of discipline to build your Twitter when you get to college. Uh, you should follow Evan for all things uh, video and NBA. Evan, thanks so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.